0: Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, the baseball season is, of course, finished, so I won't be on it as much looking for tickets for baseball or at all, really. I mean, what games are there? But um, comedy is is a big thing I like to enjoy during the winter, and so you can st- you can use SeatGeek for everything else, concerts. That's kind of all encompassing when it comes to comedy shows, um, you know, theater shows, actual con- you know music concerts, all sorts of different stuff. Uh, they got Broadway music festivals. They got everything on there, so you can still use it to find that. In fact, I was just looking the other day uh, to find some some Se- Seinfeld tickets, so I'm kind of interested to see what I'm going to be able to find there. He's coming uh, in January. Now, SeatGeek has taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls the tickets available on other sites all into one place, so you save time and you never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if prices fall. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value, so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. In fact, I can get you 20 bucks just for listening to the show. All you have to do is uh, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo, enter the promo code SLEEPER, SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase with them. So again, just download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Welcome to episode 407 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Wednesday, November 30th. I'm your host, Paul 4 joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going?
1: It's going well. We're going to the
0: winter meetings. And so, Maybe. Well, right. They won't cancel. I know. I Well, that, that was actually one thing that I'd heard on MLB network. Uh, So there was conflicting reports within the network on two different shows. One show was saying that they would put them in jeopardy and then another show with another insider. And I don't know who's who. So I'm not going to be pointing fingers saying, you know, Heyman said this. But like one insider said that they were in danger Then the other insider two hours on a different show later said, even if this doesn't progress, the winter meetings are not in danger. So it's definitely a tongue in cheek joke there. Uh, You are going to them. They are in Washington, D.C. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So when do you head out? Um, I'm going to leave on Sunday morning, bright and early. I have yet to. I have to go uh, either email or text uh, Niv Shah, the founder of AutoNew. Yes. And uh, make sure he's still in the area and see if he can uh, join us for a dinner or something. Although I think uh, Appleman, David Appleman, our our Dark Overlord, the one that uh, <laughs> who shall not be named. Um, <laughs> the The founder of Fangraphs and the the guy who does all the coding in the background, although he's added Sean Dolanar now. But um, Dave Appleman actually lives in D.C. or near D.C. So he lives in um, Alexandria. Mm-hmm. So uh, he'll be on home turf, and um, I think he actually hangs out with Niver every once in a while. So we we might get um, might get the gang together out there in D.C. We're definitely getting Jeff Sullivan in town. Paul, Sp- I
0: was gonna say who. Who all's going? Oh, you're taking that Paul S. I, I get it. I said oh, <laughs> only room I'm just for kidding. one. <laughs> never, it makes sense. You can't. You know, we had two Paul S's during the, the the New York trip, and it was just a mess. There's just too many Paul S's, and we had Paul K. You get too many Pauls out there, uh, stuff just goes sideways. So I get it. You only need one out there. Plus, let's be honest, my pansy ass can't handle Washington D.C.'s weather in December anyway. So it's it's probably for the Is better. Is it going to be cold? I mean, it's December, is it It struck not? me as like south of,
1: you know, it's one of those places. Is it south or is it north? I think it's been like a big discussion since like this country was founded.
0: Well, it, it, it's like middle almost, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in my brain, like my 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 brain map of how, and by the way, my brain map is often wrong. I have things like painfully wrong. I'm like, oh, Colorado's there. I thought it was was way different. I'm looking right now. It's volatile. It's 67 yeah. like right now, but tomorrow but it goes to 30s at night. Yeah. So, I listen. We all know that once there's a 6, Paul four starts getting cold. So, <laughs> again, it's for the better. I'll be cozying up with my space heater watching y'all uh, on MLB Network breaking news on on Edwin Encarnacion signings and and JD Martinez trades and perhaps segue what's up take the segue over here to our question of the day leading off where's andrew mccutcheon's best landing spot you know because i ask because we got ken rosenthal talking about how not saying that a deal is necessarily imminent but that it uh, they're actively shopping him and that uh, his chances of returning to the pirates in 2017 are quote unquote dwindling so where do you see some potential landing spots for mccutcheon
1: um you know i the, the names that came up were the uh nationals and Man. the rangers i think um sort of a top of the uh a top a top of the the, the heap
0: yeah those um, those were top of the heap ones for sure now a little bit of a a bummer for pittsburgh if you trade them for couple reasons right obviously he's the star franchise player that really kind of turned them around and got them going has an mvp top five mvp guy for four years running but it wasn't last year was not one of those four years so they're trading him on a down note unfortunately um you know he he labored through 153 games and only wound up with a 766 ops but if your if teams are looking deep into it, they see his last 60 games, he had an 843 OPS. You know, he picked it back up. And when he wasn't playing through nagging injuries, he was still hitting like the McCutcheon that we're used to, at least at a higher level. Uh, but the defense has come into question this year was a big issue for him. Very affordable at fourteen mil, and if he does bounce back he 's got a fourteen point seven five mil option for two thousand and eighteen so a team could reasonably have him for two years if he had a healthy enough bounce back um, between those two teams. Those are the two front runners that we 've heard talked about most, and i 'll ask you in a minute if you have a a a wild card team, but between the Nats and the Rangers, which do you think would be the best fit for for McCutcheon specifically
1: Well, I think we would all be sort of rooting for the rangers i mean. You know, if you want you want the most offense you can get from him, and as he's been, you know, stealing fewer bases, I think mm-hmm. from McCutcheon, uh, you want to get you want to get some more home runs out of him. Uh, the problem I think with the the Rangers as a landing spot is um, getting him there. You know, I, I just don't think that uh, they have. I think what we've heard is that the Pittsburgh wants uh, upper level pitching, and I think that makes sense because they had they were able to
0: to score runs last year but they didn't uh, they couldn't pitch and uh, a change for them right because the one of the things that they've kind of built this team on has been has been run prevention so the fact that they were giving up so many last year i think was something that we weren't used to seeing from pittsburgh that that rotation just fell apart once garrett cole got hurt you didn't really have a front line or jamison tyon was a nice uh was was a boon for them but then you're running in guys like chad cool steven Brault, um who else was out there? I mean, they they were just – Tyler Glass now got a little look. They could not find any consistency in the rotation or even in the bullpen outside of the back end, and then eventually they traded Mark Melanson. So you're looking at Tony Watson uh, and, and a very shaky bridge to get to him. And I think the point you're going to make is that Texas just doesn't really have that upper-level pitching to trade, right?
1: Exactly. And I think that the Pirates' problem has just been that if you shop in the bargain bin too long, it's kind of what I've talked about a little bit on this show before about how you can turn a strength into a weakness organizationally and personally as a fantasy player even when you say, I I can find, you know, the cheap pitchers. I can, you know, no matter what, I can find the cheap pitchers. And then yep. you sort of, you wait too long on pitching at every level because you're like, oh, you know, I can find guys and these guys are just as good later on. I know it.
0: Um, I think and- you and I both. Suffer from that at times,
1: and then every once in a while you get a just a like, real clunker staff where you're just like, wow, you know, I didn't hit on all the ones that I thought I would hit on, and or on I didn't... any of them, yeah, right? Yeah. That, that, that's, the, that's the that's the disaster scenario. Yeah, that's happened to me where I'm like, I cannot believe I put this pitching staff together. Like, what is going <laughs> on here? Um, and uh, and so I think organizationally, the Pirates, and and it made sense for them because they turned around a lot of guys, um, and they they had a, a guy that you know internally was developing guys well he went to the marlins so they've had a little bit of brain drain there
0: that's right Uh,
1: um some of the race series uh halo is i think actually unwarranted or we give too much credit to pitching coaches sometimes because to him
0: specifically yeah it's it's a it's a team oriented thing um and by the way some of those names that i couldn't think of that were really killing them last year was one of their biggest reclamations francisco liriano he was a disaster jeff Locke was terrible ryan vogel song the guy right that they, like
1: if you give him credit for fixing liriano what happened last year you know exactly and,
0: exactly five and a half walks
1: yeah and so um, nice
0: didn't work that was supposed to be one of his Hap, Hap you know, said oh, that
1: he went to the fastball way more in seattle before he even got to pittsburgh um, oh, and, okay. And so again, that,
0: that's something that Searidge gets credit for and Hap, yeah. hap contradicts that. I, did, I hadn't heard that. That's interesting.
1: And Nova was getting super unlucky on fly balls in New York and then got pretty lucky on fly balls in Pittsburgh. Uh, and that, that changed him from having 1.7 homers to no, uh, per nine in New York to having like 0. 0.5 in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you could make a case that. Neither one of those uh, numbers was, was sustainable.
0: Yeah, you can make a case that park alone... Was was the major difference for, for Ivan Nova there? Uh, Yankee Stadium has never really suited him and his and his uh, home run tendencies. He's not even necessarily a fly ball guy. He's actually a ground ball guy. But the fly balls that he allows were just leaving the yard at such an alarming rate. And then, like you said, comes all the way on the other end of the scale at point five, point six homers per nine with Pittsburgh. And you know that that's not necessarily going to hold either. So if you put him somewhere in the .8 range with whatever new team that he has, pretty much
1: whoever he was, you know, he's not. He didn't really fundamentally change much, so
0: so he is who, he is who we thought he was. Right? I think
1: so, yeah. So I think they they got stuck, um, you know. And I hope I think they hoped that while they were reclaiming guys, their their young guys would come up and step forward. And that did happen with Jameson Tyon. It didn't really happen with Tyler like Glass now. And you no. kind of need it to happen if you're doing that that philosophy and that strategy. I think you kind of need it to happen very like more often than other teams. And you need to have like a good amount of qu- quantity because as they're as your young guys are getting better, you're the guys who have been there a little bit longer are getting hurt. Like you saw with Garrett Cole.
0: I was going to say, you, know, you certainly need your your ace in the making to be an ace, and, and he simply yeah, wasn't, and then didn't pitch quite. For the last, and then you just
1: look at you know, look at New York. They had tons of arms, and you know they had to find new ones um, yep. to 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 even make it uh, anywhere this last season because everyone got hurt. So. I think that's what happened organizationally. I think that they have. I think I heard some people say Austin Meadows isn't ready. I think he is pretty close to ready. I mean, he can come in, step in, and he can step in and play. You know, play good defense. Even if they switch him to the to the corner and put Marte in in center, he's going to be an asset on defense. He's going to be an asset uh, on the base pads. and I doubt that he's going to be below league average with the bat. So you know, he can step in and be cheap and useful and then the the rest of the question is how much of that power he unlocks, and does he become more of a star uh, in the future, mm-hmm. but cheap and useful young I mean they played Gregory Polanco um for a year or two when he was basically just cheap and useful
0: exactly um, and that, then that, he that's that 's into... a tremendous point and, until this year when he really started to unlock some of his stuff yeah no i i agree I, I definitely agree there so let 's talk Washington then because then they do have the arms. We're probably not talking Giolito, so are we building something around Reynaldo Lopez, or or, or where are we looking if it's Washington?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the Nationals have been cleaning out their cupboard a little bit, too. It's not like they have um, what I think people would consider uh, a a very top uh, stable of prospects. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure that I know right off the bat. But, you know, A.J. Cole's been traded a lot. That means that people have different opinions of him. I doubt you know,
0: including them reacquiring him though they shipped him out to oakland and then brought him back
1: right so you know even the, even his own team hasn't decided but uh if you give him colin lopez you're getting two guys that are right there and um uh, as a nationals team you feel like you can do that because you're still six deep with decent pitchers and you can always uh find a, a seven eight starter uh either mm-hmm. organizationally or, or signing somebody so uh, it could be something like uh, Lopez Cole. That doesn't seem like much. They'd have to add a, a, a like a, legi- about, a, a like a positional prospect. I think you'd have to add to that. What about, Brian, but,
0: what about Brian Goodwin? He was a he was a prospect before. He's really kind of fallen off the prospect radar. Uh, he's going to be 26 next year. I don't know if that's enough of a of, of a chip. He did rebound a bit this year in AAA. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's actually a pretty
1: good one because he plays the outfield. He plays the position McCutcheon is leaving. So you kind of give yourself a fourth outfielder there, power you know. speed guy. Yeah, I mean, with we saw outside. him in
0: AFL a few years back. It was uh, I'm looking now. Hang on. It was well, actually, it was it was 12 and 13, and I don't remember which one made a. a a big impact on me his 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 13 numbers were better but you know we see we only see a couple games so I could have seen a couple of his good games in 12 but I remember seeing him and just being really impressed he had really big uh, real big bat speed uh crushed the ball even his outs were loud uh you could see the athleticism there as well now this is this is three four years ago at this point but the, the it was obvious that he was a a top top uh top kind of prospect and he was a top 100 guy for 13 and 14 before injuries really kind of uh pushed him back so he has he's been rebounding from that but i think brian goodwin could be a decent third piece there then you're talking lopez cole goodwin for a guaranteed year of of mccutcheon and maybe a second i don't I, know if I, that's
1: that... i value him probably as two years um and i think it's a i think you know some people might say that's not even close but you know a well i want to do a second so i'm going to go with b is A. <laughs> um, b it, is that he's paid, like he's being paid $15 million a year. So it's mm-hmm. not as if he's on like a rookie contract or something. So you have to factor that part in. Uh, mm-hmm. B, he's not what he used to be.
0: No. E- even if you give him a little, even if you give him a break for this year and say, you played through nagging injuries and we're going to put you healthy next year, like we would just hypothetically put him healthy. You're still talking about a guy who's definitely coming down from this MVP caliber. Like, there's just no way you can expect a 950 OPS guy anymore. That's just unrealistic for a 30 year old who has, you know, 5200 plate appearances on on his legs.
1: Um, You know, there's some question about whether or not his positioning has led to um, uh, that. His positioning may have led to his bad defensive numbers. Um but at the same time, I think DRS and U- UZR for him have just been um, have been in going in the same direction anyway. so um, they've been going down anyway. so it's not mm-hmm. just uh, positioning. it's been a gradual and I think you know I think you know the the injury thing you can sort of uh, sometimes hand wave it a little bit and say, you know he was playing through injury and projections do miss that. But when you've got a 30 year old, You know, the injuries start to become part of the
0: picture. Exactly. That's why I said hypothetically putting him healthy, because we don't know. Right. And what if the injuries in 2017 cost him games instead of just uh, impacting his performance? Which which you have to factor that in with
1: Negative. You know, either way, it's probably going to affect him a little bit. Um, Let me just make sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He hasn't been a positive. He hasn't been a positive in center field by UZR since uh, 2013. And, and and only twice, but the Nationals, ever. you know, they, they have Jason Worth, they have Old Man in in the corner there on one more year, I think. So, mm-hmm. um, they could they could switch Cutch over to a corner themselves and just have him there for a year. But then the other thing where it shows up, his age shows up, is that uh, in 2016, uh, he had uh, one week with uh, exit velocity that he averaged, or two weeks where he averaged over 95. Um, and, uh, I could, I would add like two more where he averaged over 93. So, um, that's about four good, four good weeks where that's like a hot week where everything's, where everything's landing. Um, not great. It's not great. In 2015, uh, he had, uh, one, two, three, four, five weeks, six weeks over 95. Uh, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more weeks uh above 93 that's,
0: that's markedly better. better right so uh, by, by the, the way, way what do you make of uh in relation to that his pop-up rate surged this year as well the the highest of his career by by a large margin um is that injury related as well is that is that part of what we're dealing with here with the with the lower exit velocity is that the bat slowing down a little bit so he's just missing pitches and popping them up instead of Striking them properly and uh, you know hitting the right launch angle. I mean,
1: it could be so for the first time, you know, second time in his career he was he was worse than average, and he's usually actually an asset when it comes to pop ups. Like usually not mm-hmm. not very many of them. So uh, you know, infield hit percentage lowest that he's that he's had. Um, uh, you know, the uh, hard percentage the lowest that he's had and since 2011.
0: Still above average at 36% for, for outfielders. I think outfielders hit uh, 34% on average, so just a couple ticks above. But like you said, I just substantially don't see, below where he's been.
1: I don't see a compelling reason to even believe the nine stolen bases in this projection set. So while I, I think that, with that the 22 homers may be a little bit light, especially if he goes to a better park, um, I think the best I can project, project him for is 280 5
0: yeah, I, I'm with you there. I agree with the the triple slash projections. that have him at about an eight forty seven OPS. I got him somewhere in the eight thirty Yeah, to so it's still really range. useful
1: in OBP leagues, OPS leagues. Uh, CF, if you break out center field in your league, oh yeah, uh, he becomes more useful.
0: Uh, those are those are becoming more popular, by the way. I'm seeing more of those.
1: Yeah, we should um, probably do some analysis on that because there's like no left fielders.
0: I was just about to say because I would get chats about what do I do in left field. I have to get one of each fielder, and there's nothing in left field, So you're right, maybe since this is outfield week, I'll do a little something on that and just highlight uh, kind of where the strengths and weaknesses are in that pool. But I agree with you, I think you I think you should plan for almost no stone. but like you said, five chip in, whatever. Do not plan on a double digit return there. You're looking at McCutcheon as somebody who's going to give you good rates. Uh, decent homers and then ribbies and runs from playing at the top of an order and and, and uh, getting high volume. Hopefully, getting another six hundred seventy five plus plate appearances. Remember what
1: we said about other guys who had you know the six hundred fifty plate appearances every year for eight years and then all of a sudden it just started to break down. I, I, hundred pens. Yeah, exactly. That was the hundred pence was where we started. I see something similar here. I mean, he went from 27 stolen bases in 2013 to 18 to 11 to six, and he got caught more often than he was six than he was than he was successful last year. So, if you pair that with the exit velocity, anyway, we've talked a lot about Andrew McCutcheon, but I I, yeah. I don't. I mean, there's no way he's a top two rounder. I think even in those OBP leagues, he's not a you like OBP
0: and CF. I might put him in the second round or something. I took him in the 4th round of the Arizona draft, 15 teams. What do you think of that? Does that have OBP or No, no, that's just the the 15 team NFBC standard no, 5-5. but then it's a 15 teamer with five outfielders, so Correct. you're
1: taking him in like the top 75, sure. Yeah.
0: And and Betts was my my uh, number one outfielder. So, he, yeah. McCutcheon's what my second pairing guy.
1: there Because, you know, you probably you'll probably get at least 50 homers and, you know, like 40 stolen bases from the two of them, so
0: all right. Last thing on on McCutcheon. Percentage chance that he gets traded in your estimation, or do you want me to give you an over under? No, I, 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 I'll I'll,
1: uh, I'll throw it at. Um, well, the the most recent thing that j- there you know something just a tweet just came out while we were here. Uh, Jeff Passan, yeah, I guess, Jeff Passan says sources. Important distinction on Andrew McCutcheon. Pirates aren't sitting back, taking calls. Been the aggressors, offering him to teams. Wow. That is kind of
0: interesting. Well, it it, did say they're actively shopping him. So they're going out and they're saying, look what we got here. I'll put it at
1: 75%, which is, I think, very high. Very high. Did you say 65? 75, yeah. Okay, because I was going to say 70. So I'm
0: right there with you. I think think that's very high because the, the
1: amount, especially this next week, The amount of crap you'll hear about a player being traded is about like 20 times the the size of actual players being
0: traded. Exactly. (laughs) The The rumors that you're going to hear, most of them are in the 25% range. And and we're putting McCutcheon 70-75. So I agree with you that. We're very likely to see something happen here. It's going to be interesting. We've been talking all season about how uh, the trade market's going to be where where things happen. And I think this could be one of the big uh, first pieces. Although we do have a big trade to talk about um, in a list of moves since the last time we podcasted. But we're going to start out in New York with Joanna Cespedes. Re-upping. Now, there's not a ton of analysis, so I'm not going to make you talk too long about it because he's, he's re-signing. You know, re-signings aren't great for fantasy podcasts because it's just not a whole lot has changed. Uh, but, we, of course, we have to talk about it. $110 million deal for four years. No full, no trade clause. Um, I'm not going to break down what he's making each year. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. He's going to be back with New York, though. Cespedes with the Mets again. How do you feel? Ah. Uh...
1: You know, I actually looked at it and he's in the top 10 for uh, projected drop-offs in uh, weighted runs, created plus, which is not um, uh, a fantasy stat, I know. But Mm -hmm. it does speak to the fact that projections are now sort of doubling down on what happened last year uh, when they projected him to be the biggest uh, war drop-off in baseball. And oh, wow. they weren't that far off because he was actually in the top 15 for drop bar drop-offs because his defense went back to bad and um, he got hurt again. Um, well, and
0: he assessment uh, is kind of, you know, essentially matched what he did in 2015 with uh, his OPS was better, but 14 points better. But in the context of the league, it wasn't as great. Right. Uh, so, Exactly, you factor all that in, and he went from six point seven war for for us to three point two and part of that is the playing time missed, like you said, but also the defense being bad uh he really did take a fall off even though offensively and fantasy wise he was still pretty darn good
1: yeah and it's hard to it's hard to know exactly um exactly what he'll do i mean it's obviously hard to know what he'll do next year, but it it's hard to know uh whether we should um I think it's hard to know where we should look with him. Because if you if you look at twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen, he played full seasons, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the like projection systems call the last three seasons the most relevant. And so the fact that he had five hundred and forty three plate appearances last year gets weighted uh a lot, but it doesn't it doesn't make those other two go away. But then if you reach back to twenty twelve and twenty thirteen, he had five hundred and forty plate appearances and five hundred and seventy four. So you know when i think of Cespedes, and, and i've seen him here in oakland and when i when i think of him i think of a guy who gets injured um, absolutely and i think the, I mean, that, that's that, also that was his rap yeah and then then you look at this last year he he had the, the first time in his career he had a plus walk rate and that's tied into the power because he's stopped um, he stopped swinging at at uh, third strikes that are over his head <laughs> um, so, and that seems, that seems kind of organic. That is something that hitters do as they get older, is they, they swing less.
0: Absolutely. Um, they, start to, they start to mature as hitters. Right. Uh, old man skills. You know, get power and, anticipate uh, and what they're trying eye. to
1: do. I mean, if you see them trying to, uh, you know, get you out on high fastballs all the time, at some point you can, uh, you can, uh, you can anticipate that and not swing at it. So, um, you know, the projections have it so that he actually does what he did last year, but he does it over 600 plate appearances rather than in
0: 540. Yeah, so, so at, well, about 600. So at about 100 or, or 90, let's say for uh, that's what Steamer does. Adds about 90 plate appearances, but gives them the exact same.
1: Yeah, plate base and if you and if you bet on projections, which is always the smart way to start, if you bet on projections, then then you'll actually have some upside baked in which is that he does what he did last year, but over the 600 plate appearances. The downside Mm -hmm. is um, he does what he did last year. or He does what he's projected to do over 500 plate appearances. So I think it's a fairly high variance, and I don't know how many shares I'll have, actually. um, I'm a little bit nervous about that, uh, that downside. I don't think anybody sees that downside. They're too excited about what he means for New York and... Um, and the power that he's shown since he's come to the National League and all that stuff.
0: That- he's one of those guy guys, says that, is that-, that uh, the hype is definitely real and, and, it, and it influences his fantasy value. Uh, but when you step away and you actually, if you just kind of did those blind resumes, I think a lot of people would come away a lot more less impressed. With what he does, not that he 's bad, but he 's a bit overhyped in fact he 's in that same fourth round of this uh, of this draft, and i know we 're we are relying a lot on one draft to kind of talk about things, but uh, it 's a good setting of the market I think that 's where he 's going to kind of live in that fourth round. so the outfielders that went around him uh, were j d martinez nelson cruz, of course McCutcheon. Yelich, uh, Cal Schwarber uh, is actually now out, outfield only. Um, and let's see. And, and, and Polanco went in the next round.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I think our projections, are back of the napkin projections for McCutcheon and, and, and Cespedes are very similar. You know, because he's, he's projected to go back to 260, 264. So that, uh, you know, McCutcheon gives you 20 points of batting average and five homers less. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they're very similar otherwise. So, um, Who do you prefer?
0: let's let's put put McCutcheon where you want we'll make I'm gonna it a, take, a, a i'm going to take McCutcheon,
1: am i'm going to take McCutcheon. just because uh, of the chance that uh those
0: things i don't know i just um i'm i'm with you and and the reason i feel that way is that I still think there's at least a shred and it, it's dwindling that it was nagging injuries and that you get a fully healthy McCutcheon. And he does get back to being a stud again, not with the speed. I'm not even, I'm not even really that focused on, on much more than maybe 10 stolen bases on the upside. But if I get a fully healthy McCutcheon, then I'm, I'm upper 20s homers and I'm hitting 290, uh, with great RBIs and runs. And I just don't know that there's much more than, Thirty-five, a hundred, ten, with with uh, Cespedes and a two hundred and eighty average, which is not bad. It's it's not a bad scenario at all. But I would rather have, I think, the batting average and, and the volume of runs in RBIs, yeah. and RBIs. Uh, and I think with, you know, with McCutchen, uh,
1: Cespedes is a year older and just seems to be coming off his peak. I mean, it, it's it's two best years by by way of runs created plus. It's his two best years. Um i 'm just a little bit more likely to buy the guy coming off of his bad, off a bad year than 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 one of his peak years i, I think, think that 's fair i, I think that 's
0: fair so that 's where we 're at on cespitus let 's go ahead and move on uh, because again, not a whole lot changes except he 's a little bit older uh, and we 're kind of leaving him in that same range and neither of us are probably targeting him not that i wouldn 't take him if I, if, I, if I had to in that fourth fifth round area, but uh, I really want to focus on this this big taiwan walker jean segura trade this was this was kind of the big blockbuster right before uh, right before Thanksgiving that we got in man, it was interesting to kind of see reactions. I got some friends that are Seattle Mariners fans, and boy, were they upset. They really, really loved themselves. some Taiwan Walker. Uh, let me break it down here i 'm getting the, the the full specs of it because I know those are the two principles, but actually some of the some of the outside guys might actually be the ones to kind of uh, turn turn this deal around so we 're talking about Taiwan Walker and Cattell Marte going to Arizona for Gene Segura. Mitch Haniger and Zach Curtis. Let's start with what the Diamondbacks got first: Taiwan Walker and Cattell Marte. Go. I hate to be sort of old
1: school on this one, but I think that the the park factors in the parks uh, are are really important here and can kind of uh, give you like a, a quick overview of the whole thing. Which is, I'd much rather have the you know the hitters going to Arizona. And mm-hmm. uh, and not the pitcher going to Arizona. I just think that a guy who's had homer issues over the course of two years, and I think some of those his even two full, full year, years, yeah, either. and they, and I think some of those even predated the the homer surge. So he, he has homer issues, and I know his walk rate isn't high, but I think his command is bad.
0: It's it's uh, again we we highlight these when we can see them because these terms get thrown out uh, interchangeably, and they're not. He has good control. He'll he'll fill the zone, but Taiwan Walker has not to this point displayed good command, which is throwing quality strikes and 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 being able to get put players to chase or swing through stuff in the zone. He puts it up on a tee too regularly, and it gets popped. And you know it's worth noting that Safeco is a little bit more homer friendly than it's ever been after some construction changes where they move the fences in, but the everything else. Uh, singles, doubles, triples, and, and overall runs are much lower, and they're below average compared to Arizona, which is a a hitters' haven. And I don't think it gets enough love as a hitters' haven. We talk about the NL West, and the first thing we obviously go to is Coors Field, which makes sense. But you got two parks out there that really inflate your numbers uh, offensively. And I, I'm looking right now at uh, what Stat Corner put up, and I'm looking at Stat Corner over ours because we don't have our 2016 numbers yet. And you're looking at Plus, uh, so 100 or above for singles, doubles, triples, homers, and runs. All of them across the board for uh, Chase Field. Is it still called Chase Field or which bank are they naming it after these days? I don't know. But it is a hitter's haven. And I don't think that's going to suit somebody well who's given up 1.8 homers this year and uh, consistently given up about nine hits per nine. So a, a hit per inning. That's problematic for Taiwan Walker. I love his stuff. I still do see upside with him but this park move is dangerous.
1: Yeah. um, I'm just uh, struggling to call up a leaderboard. His, uh, his pitching, um, his uh, strikeouts minus walks. So so we can, we can put aside all the balls in play for a second. Okay. Um, and, And just look at, uh, at strikeouts minus walks, he's got basically, you know, like 14, 50, 50, 15% over the last couple of years. And average is around uh, 12%. So it is above average. Um, you know, he's slightly, slightly better strikeout rates. Is um, that
0: average for starters or all pitchers, by the way?
1: Uh, let's see here. I'll, I'll do an average for starters. Uh, oh, see, it's even better than I thought with the strikeout rate going up 13%. Uh, is average. So so he's not even that much. much. He's like a tick or two above average. Right, and I needed to uh, change the minimums here so I can get him on there. But uh, 120 pitches, uh, 120 innings minimum, uh, strikeout minus walk rate. Uh, He fell in line uh, 49th, um, right behind uh, Jake Arrieta and Ian Kennedy, who I think is a very interesting name. I Ian was going to say, say,
0: that lines up interestingly in terms, in terms of what, what you could maybe expect out of Taiwan Walker, Walker, at least in, in the, the short term.
1: term. Yeah, Ian Kennedy, Ivan Nova, Zach Davies, uh, Jeremy Hellickson, and the bad year from Zach Greinke. So uh, it's a pretty wide range of uh, – you can actually just with those names see how important the ball in play is. Uh, mm-hmm. But the thing is, if you look at a guy – We've had some guidance on what uh, from Statcast and that on what skills we're looking for um, in terms of suppressing exit velocity, and from what I can tell, Kyle Hendricks is the guy for it, which is uh, not actually throwing super hard because that does add a tiny bit uh, to exit velocity, and then uh, having great command. So Taiwan Walker, 94 mile an hour fastball, uh, not great command, I think. So. you know, maybe he, maybe we are underestimating what his balls in play should look like. You know, um, maybe he got lucky on Babip last year, and maybe he should have a 300, uh, 320 Babip next year, and, and maybe projecting him to only have 1.16 homers per nine is a little bit low. Maybe he's actually a true talent 1.3 guy. That's what he did in his first year. So
0: I, I, I want to make a point on the Babbitt. Babbitt. The, 267 the 267 is misleading because, of course, all homers all aren't built right. yeah. into yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I think, I think if you added homers in, in – um, it'd, be nice would, to,
1: it'd be nice to. It'd be nice. There should be like a, a homer,
0: homer added Babib, one just to yeah, kind of get an idea yeah, of of, of what's, what's going on there. there. I, I think, think that you, you are, are looking at somebody who is over three hundred at that point. point. So, so if his actual BABIP minus the, the homers get moves up, plus the, the homers, yeah, it could be really troublesome.
1: We should definitely have that stat because it's basically batting average on contact, which is shortened to bacon. So oh my god, we should definitely have bacon on there instead of BABIP. We've, We've got, got to, to put, put bacon. bacon.
0: <laughs> Sean, uh, Dave, yeah. guys. Sort by uh, bacon. Got a project. <laughs> Get bacon Big on Lord. Bacon leaders. Uh, I want to be then, a bacon leader. Back to like Marte. Uh, you know. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about him because you got Marte, and I'm curious how you might see him relating to somebody like a Segura because Segura went to Arizona and, and busted out. Now, it's not like Miller Park was bad. hit in but we we've talked repeatedly about some of the stuff that he was dealing with there he lost his son tragically he had two down seasons we don't know how much of it was just lingering from that horrific tragedy and you talked about this maybe just resetting getting a new environment and and kind of starting over really you know And, and and trying to say okay i'm gonna focus on the career here Uh, I'm going to just see what I can do here in Arizona. He had a tremendous season. I've never been a huge Gene Segura guy, but he had a fantastic season. Is there any of that in in Marte? Not in terms of the reset. He doesn't really need to reset. He's just getting going. But can he take off in Arizona as well?
1: I suppose there could be something to actually uh, to a reset because, you know, in his first attempt at the league, he didn't swing much at all and he didn't reach much at all and he was super passive in a way. Um, you know, he had a 40, 42.8% swinging percentage and the average is 46.9. Then the next year he comes by that walk, walk rate, by,
0: by the way, way. And yeah. uh, it, it was, was a passive walk, walk rate. rate. And, and once, once he got, got challenged, chance, it went, it, it cut, it cut in half, more, more than in hand hand half. Hand hand it went from 10% to 4%. Percent.
1: Right. And then, then in his, and it went, he went the other way. He just became more aggressive and, and had to swing more, uh, had to prove that they had to pitch to him, I guess. So, um, and if you look up and down his minor league career, there's kind of, a little bit of that going on, where the first time at a league he'll walk a decent amount. The second time, like rookie ball, ten percent, like low A, four uh, percent. You know, small stint at A ball, ten percent, eleven percent. Big stint at A ball, three percent. You know, mm-hmm. high A, four percent. Double A, four percent. Triple A, nine percent. You know, so
0: and like then repeat a triple A, seven percent. Yeah, so, so I think uh,
1: I think he's a hacker. He's a hacker, and the question is power, and there just hasn't been enough uh, power showing. However, if you just look at the projections, you might be surprised: um, two seventy-six batting average and twenty stolen bases, and I think that twenty stolen bases could be a little low, uh, based on the uh, just based on the, the the organization he's going to. I don't know if they're going to go full yeah. saber or whatever, but they they were so far not saber that um, I could see them sort of setting him loose. So. Um he definitely has good speed. I just don't think he's ever gonna have a he might have a one or two seasons with a hundred ISO, but I just don't think he's gonna he's gonna do that regularly. So you're basically talking about an empty an empty stone base only kind of bat. Um but at least now, you know, does he have a job? I mean I don't even, I'm not even hundred sh- percent sure, but I, I think, think so. he's I the think second so. baseman. Only, only yeah, he's the uh... second baseman probably. Owings but- showed that he could play in center and became kind of like a, um, a a super util guy. He
0: might. He might I, was I was gonna, gonna say he can be shortstop, stop, but they have the Dansby. Oh, oh wait,
1: never mind. Uh, uh, mm. Yeah, I think Gross actually thing. Owings like the arm will dictate like how how his shoulder and arm situation is going because he can hit better than uh, than Ahmed. So mm-hmm. if they think that he can throw and the defense looks good, it is possible he ends up or Marte ends up at at short. Owings ends up at uh, at second. And uh, Ahmed is the is like the glove first um, sub guy.
0: Uh, uh, where do you, where do you, where you slot Brandon Drury? Is is I he think in, he can. He he's a, a he's
1: an outfielder. Okay, okay. he played so he can. played well enough. And uh, Tomas is so bad with the glove. Uh, you're going <laughs> to want outfielders out there. So even if Brito makes the team, uh, Drury should make the team, and they kind of float around the outfield behind Pollock and Thomas and. Uh, mm-hmm give him something and give him some like, you know, you have, you have to have a defensive replacement for Tomas. So
0: I was going to say, and, and lamb's going to lose playing time to lefties and Drury can play some third base on those days. So I think Drury's a super
1: util. I, I think it's not impossible that, uh, Marte at short Owings at, uh, at second, I think Marte has decent defense. Um, I think so too. I think so, too. so, uh, I know that the, the UZR wasn't so kind to him, but it was, you know, it's just one season. Um, exactly. You don't...
0: don't always want to be careful on one season. Slight eye test that I had. You know, I didn't watch a ton of ton of Seattle games, but I didn't see a guy who I thought had to be moved off of shortstops. So I think Ketel Marte could definitely stick there. Let's talk about what Seattle got then. Uh, let's talk about Gene Segura, and then I'll get to Mitch Hanager, uh, who has been lauded as potentially the, the game-changer piece. Segura, again, I, I Was off that train I just wasn't seeing anything that was going to say uh, I got to get this guy on my fantasy team And then he had an amazing se- like a, a truly tremendous fantasy season With 102 runs 20 homers, 64 ribbies 33 stolen bases, a 319 average His 203 hits were an NL high Just a fantastic season And it wasn't just uh, A couple months the way it was The last time he kind of broke out It was sustained throughout the year He just played extremely well and and kind of had that age 26 breakout is this something that we can buy into and okay maybe maybe push it down a little bit for going uh from Arizona to Seattle or was it something that wow now you go to Seattle and you're going to be back down to you know league average or below levels how do you feel about Gene Segura uh going back to the AL where he I don't did he ever play with uh Oh yeah, he did. He he had a one-game debut with the Angels in 2012 before he was traded. But for all <laughs> intents and purposes, this is his first, first foray into the American League, League as a, a as a major, as a major leader.
1: leader. Yeah, I just uh, I think this is going to be a bad bad move for him. I think uh, we're going to lose a lot of that power. Uh, and I think that even looking at exit velocity won't necessarily tell you everything because exit velocity has some park effects too um so. exactly. Exactly. exactly it's not like it's exactly. not like it's
0: you know you don't have the hard contact rate uh, adjusted for being in arizona you know he, he still gets to hit in the uh, in that in that desert air and and as well as 18 games in coor or nine games i guess in coors um and so that helps him as as well and he did have a career high 30 percent hard contact rate
1: is yeah and his uh, his exit velocity went up to two miles per hour which is is decent um i just uh he went from 87 to eighty nine eighty nine you know is pretty good but it's not um you know like uh, angel pagogon his type angel Pagan lives at like eighty seven so he went from like and help Pagon the weird thing is uh and then he also added some launch angle that's that's related to um he went from an average of six to an average of eleven so that puts him in the line drive rate um you know for an average uh line drives are 10 to 25 degrees. Okay. Um uh, so and then he he also made like physical changes to his me- to his mechanics where he dropped his hands and tried to to put more loft on the ball and I think he even worked with uh Robinson Cano and um and Ed- Eduardo Nunez and uh is it Mickey Cabrera there's like a, a cabal of guys that work with one with one hitting coach.
0: Um, I want to work, work with those guys. guys. Yeah, Gave get my, my softball swing in, in, check. in check.
1: Yeah, so I mean, he made some changes, and you know, those are reflected, I think, in the projections. So I don't, I don't, uh, I I believe that there's going to be some regression. It has to be some Arizona-based regression anyway. Arizona, Seattle, and then there's a risk of falling back further than that. But um, you know, two seventy average, ten homers, twenty five stolen bases. It's still Decent, and if he's actually still fantasy anti-liable. viable, yeah. And if he's sure, playing in speed. a scratch short, then you know they got an above-average player. But, uh um, you know, I think again, you're buying a guy off his peak.
0: Yep. yep. You know, yep. I, I just don't. I would, see, I would be careful. You know, it's not um, set
1: up for him to to do better.
0: Just, yeah, just as I was starting to buy in on the Gene Segura train, he 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 leaves Arizona, and I'm back to yeah, right. skepticism. And I'm I'm probably not going to take him, especially if he maintains the fifth, sixth round cost. He went fifth round in that in that Arizona league. Um, he's been in the fifth, sixth round of the mocks that I've done as well. So looking at a couple different samples, he's been in that same range, and I just don't think I'm going to be as in on Gene Segura again because. I I don't love uh, him hitting out there in Arizona, but he will still lead off. So the volume piece should still be there. And that certainly helps too. Uh, we can't ignore runs a, a, as a factor. Um, what are the chances that he can score a hundred again uh, at the top of Seattle's lineup?
1: You know, Seattle's lineup is weird, dude. It's just, it's weird. It, it is kind of weird. weird. I mean, you've got um, your studs in Cano Seager and Cruz Sure okay. and then, absolutely i'm not i'm not you know I'm not blind like I understand that you can platoon and and like turn you know Seth Smith and Danny Valencia into a decent player,
0: yeah that should be an above average uh left fielder there i I agree, but then what are you doing you're like, right I, I love Leonis Martin team, but I'm over. Any like sort of offense. offensive yeah. breakout, and like it's defense, defense with passable offense. offense. You guys all know how much I hate Mike Zanino. Uh, Jason and I are just so out on that. You know, Dan Vogelbach, no, right? Vogelbach, who's, who's in like, right field? I think ben right now you've got like
1: pretty much at least for the American League a zero from first, uh, catcher, and uh, and left. If you, if you mm-hmm. put Smith and Valencia and right? Ryan. Oh yeah.
0: Depend. Yeah. Uh, one of the corner outfielders, so wherever, that's, wherever where you're, you're putting three out.
1: zeros, you know? Um, that's not good, right? I don't think that's really good for the American <laughs> league. So <laughs> a third, a third
0: of your lineup, lineup being, zeros being zeros is not, now. good. this is hey breaking news here on, uh, the sleeper in the bus. Uh, you don't want I a third year of year lineup to, to be here. zeros.
1: Right. So, I mean, yeah, you can make, you can, if you want to put your rose colored glasses on and you're a Seattle Mariners fan, you're yelling at the radio. Uh, why would you do that? We're not on the radio. but uh, (laughs) anyway you're yelling at
0: the radio you're not listening to us
1: you can continue yelling Um, I could see like Danny Valencia yes uh, he changed his stance um, you know showed more power maybe he, he will be useful You'll also start a fight with somebody, but that's fine.
0: I was gonna say he's gonna rat out Dan Vogelbach for not adhering to yeah, his company's policy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mitch Haniger deserves some mention okay, because we got get we gotta, we get, get, we gotta get, deal. get to He could be the the, 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 the game, game changer piece the on the other corner, corner outfield. And there. yeah, that's what
1: Jeff Sullivan wrote about, which was that a uh, the demotion in last year from AAA or to AAA was requested by Haniger because mm-hmm. he wanted to play every day and that the out of sight numbers that he put up in AAA uh were the result of um mechanical changes much along the lines that you know that we've talked about with Jake Lamb in fact was a result of talking to Jake Lamb and, and AJ Pollock about hitting
0: it was actually by the way it was um didn't he go down to Double A yeah
1: i don't know one because of, he yeah. wasn't
0: he wasn't playing every day and he said, "No, I, I I gotta go. I gotta go down. I I, I can't remember which it was. But anyway, the, the, the demotion right. was
1: was requested. So that's yes. that's an interesting piece. Um, and then you know, there's a mechanical change that uh, that turned a guy from you know he had decent power to you know he had 330 ISO in AAA. So um, also the best walk rates of his career. So he's seen the ball really well. Um, if he if he can do all that, he you know." I think they probably bought him saying if he can do all that, uh, if he can do any of that and be right-handed, um, then we'll just stick him in a platoon with with Seth Smith. And mm-hmm. uh, then maybe... And Valencia he plays, plays more full-time? Time? Yeah, then then Valencia and, and then Vogelbach have to play, which is probably not good for the team. Uh, maybe they're still in it for an outfielder, because then you could, if you add an outfielder, then you're saying, well, Valencia is our first baseman, Vogelbach is a maybe, depending on his spring or whatever. Um mm-hmm. and then if we add like a Pagan type or somebody um to the corner outfield then uh then Haniger needs to be a platoon partner with Smith or he pushes out Pagan or he pushes out Smith or whatever. So um I think they're probably going to buy another outfielder. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. And then a, a mid level. And that would to, to worse. right and that would make Mitch Haniger uh more of a lotto ticket even in deeper leagues.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, as it stands now I think he's a, a decent you know two to five dollar play in AL only leagues where you're betting on the, him the same way that the Mariners are betting on him that he'll have power and he'll hit you know 260 with with great on base percentage and power and, and not be you know the eight hitter or whatever I agree uh, I agree so that's that's worth it now but if they add another outfielder I think he's a one dollar reserve play in AL only
0: so who who wins um, the deal um, i We'll back away from fantasy for a second. Who who do you think wins that deal uh, between Seattle and Arizona?
1: Mm, that's interesting. I my initial reaction was, why did you have to pay a Taiwan Walker to upgrade from Marte to Segura? And I think I'll. Stick I think with that's that. fair. Even even though I think Walker has the other. The flip side of that would be, well, Segura he might be the best player in the deal. Um, but I think Walker and Marte are good enough that they add up to more than Segura. So, um, so,
0: so Hanager going to be that Lynch, that, that game changer. If I he, mean, yeah, I, out, I can see how they made s- the
1: deal. I would, t- I'd rather take the, uh, the, um, the diamondbacks trade for now. But if, if, if Haniger is good, then, then, um, yeah,
0: then that changes okay. things. All right. Uh, well, we have six other transactions. They're all small, so I'm just going to get your quick thoughts, and, the, and then we're going to move on uh, to the next here because these are not game changers. They're all, at most, deep league plays in terms of uh, the guys that we're talking about. There's one that we'll get a little deeper on, but we've already touched on them. You and I have, and Jason and I have. That's that's Eric uh, Tim's uh, Thames. I think it is. God, I, I, I never got clarification on that. Marcus I think it's Thames. Thames. Eric Thames. Eric Thames. Okay, okay. that's so right. That's not Let's right. just so go I ahead and start with, start with it. him. Uh, I had a different. I, I got uh, the pitcher ahead of him on the rundown. We'll just flip him. So Eric Thames comes back from Korea, goes over to Milwaukee. Very interesting. You know that was not one of the teams that uh, that Jason and I were talking about when we were uh, banding about his name. They bring in Thames. They cut Chris Carter, the NL home run leader. Deuces, bro. That's what happens when you can't hit your own weight. Um, interesting move. How do you feel about uh, about Thames with Milwaukee? It's pretty
1: interesting because we finally have a steamer projection up for him. And boy, is it not great.
0: (laughs) Boy, is it not great. It's really not exciting. Does it factor? Is it just looking at what he did in 2011-2012 between Toronto and Seattle? Or does it bring in any of his uh, um, KBO? Because I feel like it can't bring in his KBO. If you're talking about a 627 OPS, there's just no way I'm thinking that you're bringing in any any of the KBO work.
1: Yeah. uh, Or... Or, you have, a, or you have a or you have a more severe discounting and a very different MLE for KBO than other people because I checked Clay Davenport. Clay Davenport had Thames Thames's uh, or Thames's 2015 Thames. season uh, as translating to a 630 uh, slugging percentage
0: in in uh, in in baseball. So in in MLB. Eric, Eric Cart or Eric, right, Um Brian Cartwright responded to you with his as well, right?
1: Yeah, and his were a little bit more muted, and he showed me the three-year, which is good because uh, Thames' 2016 wasn't as good as his 2015. 2015, mm-hmm. he went 40-40 with like a 335
0: batting average or something. It was disgusting, <laughs> <Yeah. man. laughs> Like, so. it, I mean, that is so awesome. Obviously, he's not going to come over and do that, but oh my God, for, he went 40-40-40 because he had 42 doubles as well. It was just an obscene like that's video games right there.
1: Yeah, you know, and even back in the day, uh, his his major league slugging, he didn't get full chances, and his minor league slugging numbers were a lot better. Like he did have a six ten slugging in twenty twenty eleven in AAA. So mm-hmm. you know, he I think he is a slugger. I think the one twenty three projected ISO is the real big
0: number that's wrong. Um, I, I agree. I, I just I don't even see that he had 193 and 166 as a major leaguer in 11 and 12. I, I just don't know how you're all the way down at 123.
1: Yeah, I I think I I would I think a baseline uh, projection looks like his totals uh, for the major leagues, which is a 250 batting average and a 430 slugging. With twenty one uh, bombs. With twenty one bombs in a season. So I okay. and I think that they would take that for five million because I doubt that he's gonna be as statuesque as Chris uh, Chris Carter. And I'm not talking about, you know, like pecs and abs. I'm talking about
0: <laughs> About defensively. Yeah,
1: like <laughs> bricks for hands type stuff. And I think he will be a, a, an asset on the base pass. I mean he stole forty in Korea, uh and he's he stole bases. So I think he'll I think he'll steal five to ten. I don't know that he'll you know, try to steal thirty or forty, and I don't know that the Brewers will let him. Although they let VR, you know, go for crazy. So, um, you know, and then I think there's upside beyond that. So I would sort of, if you, if you, if you were kind of doing this and you didn't have a, a better projection, I just put in his career numbers, uh, maybe tick them up a little bit here or there, and uh, and and pay for that. Um, you'll probably, you know, because there's so much. You know, so so much uncertainty about him. You might you might still get him at that. You know, yeah. if you if you price him at that level, two fifty
0: with you know twenty to twenty five homers. I think it's a, it, we're gonna see something with Thames where um, he's gonna be like one of those not uh, uh, all, wide awake sleepers, as I like to call them. Everyone's gonna be talking about him as a sleeper, but it's not gonna be to a level where you're gonna be priced out of him. Like I just don't think that even if even if everyone's saying he's a sleeper, that all of a sudden he's going to be a ten dollar player. That's not going to happen. I think we'll we'll see the price jump a little.
1: It'll be like Byung Ho Park. I mean, I I uh, what did I pay for Byung
0: Ho Park last year? By the way, while you're looking that up, Chris Carter legitimately does not hit his own weight. He uh, he hit 222, and he weighs 245 on, and and that and that's just listed weight. He's probably closer to 260. So I did actually so. pay
1: fifteen dollars. Uh, yeah. That I was an AL, AL only $15 though. for AL only for Biong Park. Uh, and I don't, I don't, he did not ruin my season. I think, um, uh, I got 12 homers from him and he's a first baseman. I bet you he was still worth, you know, two to five bucks or something. Uh. Um, it was
0: the pitching, right? It, it was exactly what you're talking about earlier where you built the bargain basement yeah. staff and, and it, it was bargain or it was basement. Traders it was no Danny Salazar at the end.
1: Yeah. You know. Uh anyway, uh also with Byung-Ho Park I don't know that we totally know what his deal was because he ended up having an actual injury. I mean he was he got, yeah, yeah, he got, got
0: hurt. He got sent down, which I thought was stupid, and then got hurt down there and never got to come back.
1: Yeah, so um I think I hope they give him another chance and uh I don't think that that he will tell us not to buy Thames. Um so um yeah, I think AL only I would or NL, NL only I'd pay um you know, five to ten bucks for him, I think. I think there's a chance that he's worth a lot more than that, and the playing time is there.
0: Yeah, and I think you'll pay half that in in uh, mixed, and that's what I was saying. He's not going to rise to ten dollars in mixed. uh Eric Thames isn't, so you're not going to have to pay that. You pay a single digit if you're interested in him. You you lean closer to seven, eight bucks. Um, and and there's going to be leagues where you're saying I'll pay eight, and you're going to get him for four because there's just going to be some leagues that aren't that interested. The one thing I think would change that is a huge spring. If he comes out and he's the guy who hits eleven spring homers, then we're going to see the the price on Thames rise, but. Honestly, that wouldn't even necessarily bother me because I think that'd be a decent sign because one of the spring training factors that does matter is power. And so if he comes out and in, and slugs 650, uh that's something that you can feel confident about. Uh quick note on Chris Carter. What what do you th- what do you also, think he might land? He's so AL bad team?
1: defensively. Yeah, it's going to be an AL team. He was so bad defensively that it looked like he was a DH, but he was with Milwaukee. <laughs> I mean, literally, he had a minus seventeen defensive value. Jeez, That's oh, so brutal, was man. So bad.
0: That's I. So, by, by the way, guy. we you, uh, just quick note before we finish on themes. You mentioned Biongo Park. Don't forget. Jung Ho-Gung came over too. Yeah. Like, he that was, was another good. guy from the KBO who hit 40 homers in 2014 uh, and then came over and put up a healthy 461 with 15 homers in 467 plate appearances with Pittsburgh um, and and before his season got derailed by injury. So I still think that, you know, th- there are reasons to be excited here with Thames. Anyway, Chris Carter, which AL team? Because um, it has, has to be an AL. AL. It has, it has, to, has be.
1: to be an AL team. Uh, wait, the Yankees have Gregory bird at DH.
0: Yeah. Well, who, who's playing first? Hang on. I'm pulling their I'm pulling their stuff up right now. They're going to have. Maybe that's uh, just, actually, uh, roster resource has bird at first and then judge at DH with Gardner, Ellsbury and Hicks in the outfields.
1: Yeah, that seems a little bit more likely. I don't think that they're just, they're lining up to give Austin a job. Um, Plus, anyway the Yankees are in on a DH and uh left-handed DH I don't That's that's righty though. yeah
0: um, What about what about like a Tampa Bay that they're currently slotted to have Nick Franklin at DH Yeah
1: Yeah That's a good one And this one. is the and kind of guy they
0: sign that they, they they take a chance on a, a dirt excuse me a dirt cheap guy who's coming off a 40 homer season and say, "Hey man, go can you do your best Carlos Peña from the right side imitation for Royals. us?" Royals I was just about to say that that was my next one because they have Chester Cuthbert penciled in at DH. Cuthbert's which, he's an infielder, yeah. he's not a DH. Yeah, yeah he's, he's got to be a, a utility infielder.
1: Yeah, the Royals. I think the Royals will sign him. Yeah, for uh, they lost Morales. I think they might, yep. might get into that. Um, it's actually kind of a kind of a good fit. The A's, I think, do, do like want to move guys around too much.
0: That's the thing. They, they like to use it as the uh, – I mean, they did, the, they did the, buy the Butler, but <laughs> – They, they did. did, and they regretted that, and I don't think that they're going to make that same mistake. And the guy <laughs> that we're going to talk about that they got in a moment, I'm going to get to the pitcher first, um, is also going to be one of the guys that they're going to cycle in there. They're, the, they're a cycle team, and that's the thing. A lot of teams Orioles. do like to cycle. What if Orioles bought Carter? Oh, oh, my God. God. How many could he is? hit 50? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's coming from a great Homer Park already, but he's going to a better one for righties because Miller Park is actually more lefty favorable with a 136 park factor compared to 115 for righties, um, whereas Camden is uh, 115 across the board.
1: Yeah. So but it's thanks. actually
0: not not necessarily better, but I I just, man, that could be filthy. That and the line, so. up, that, that lineup, lineup ooh, boy. Uh, I mean... The thing of it is, we can talk about how bad his batting average was, two twenty-two, and his defense was obviously a nightmare. But forty-one ninety-four for homers and ribbies—that's fantasy viable for Chris Carter. Like you, you, you always talk about how you have to hit a certain amount of homers and drive in a certain amount of runs to outrun a bad batting average. Well, he did it last year. Forty-one ninety-four is enough to outrun it and still be fantasy viable. So, I wonder, keep an eye if you, I wonder out if for you, where he like, lands.
1: I'd like to see some analysis on if he uh, totally tanks your batting average or what kind of a batting average you need from the rest of your
0: team to, 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 to hold him. That's actually a good point. Like, do you have to construct it so that you have, you know, Altuve uh, and, and, and Sterling Marte. Wait, does Starling Marte a good batting average guy? Where did I get that? Am I making that up? No. Uh, yeah. I think it's it's a pretty decent average or is it, it uh, yeah. 311, 287, 291. Yeah, I was, I was, so like you start with a couple guys like that or, or Cabrera, um, you know, what kind of base do you have to have to actually be able to take him on? Cause that's, he's kind of that, uh, another one of like those, um, speed only guys where you have to change the construction of your team to put Chris Carter on it. That is an interesting uh, thing to do. Maybe Jeff Zimmerman could uh, investigate that, run some numbers for us. All right, we got a few more of these. Edinson Volquez, two years, 22 mil to Miami. Hey, man, you could put up a five ERA and still get 11 mil. What a time to be alive in MLB baseball. Uh, that's redundant. In in uh, Major League Baseball. He's basically
1: He's a 50-50. Another. He's a 50-50 shot to be, to be worthwhile to own next year.
0: Yeah. Uh, Would you throw a dollar on him in NL, or are you chasing younger, more appealing guys?
1: I'd throw a dollar on him for sure. Okay. Okay. You know, the park effect, the park, it's not too extreme from Royals Park, but it's decently extreme. And it's it's,
0: it's still better. Like, Royals Park, uh, Kauffman Stadium is nice. Marlins Stadium is better, and you're going to the NL, and you're still going to have the Phillies and the Braves. I'm not 100% certain that the Braves' second half is going to carry over and, and make them a scary team. So you still got. You still got some love there in that division. And, of course, the league is still better.
1: And uh, two good seasons of the Pirates and Royals before that. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 only, I think, if he goes to his projections and, and pitches to a four ERA, you'll either find some use for him, or sell him low or something, you know, it's like,
0: it's all about stranding runners because he allows his whips too high. So when he's keeping some of those guys on, he can have a good season. Uh, I I obviously left on base rate is key for a lot of guys, but it's especially key for him when he keeps the, the, the bases going like turnstile kind of a
1: ground ball guy and not a big strikeout guy.
0: Exactly. Man, he has strikeout stuff, though. When he's oh, on, yeah, I don't he care. throws 95, 96, 96 with a with with devastating breaking ball. ball. I, don't I don't understand why he doesn't get more swings. Swing. And the change and is decent. You know,
1: it's like yeah. uh, He's got it's three it's pitches. Wicked. They're all there. And he's maintained 94-mile-an-hour velocity his whole career. It's, he's an interesting guy. He should have been better.
0: He should have been a better guy. But, hey, he's going to make 11 mil. Uh, no problems there. You can sleep on your, your bed of money. Uh, Matt Joyce to Oakland. Had an interesting season, interesting rebound season that was maybe overlooked because of the way that uh, first off, because he's Matt Joyce, but also because Pittsburgh just didn't have a great year, as we talked about. But like you said, they did put up runs and he was a big part of it Uh, for the time that he played in his in his selected role there. 293 plate appearances, 13 homers, 866 OPS. Uh, he bats left-handed, so he can be on the strong side of a platoon. We know Oakland is very open to using platoons, so they're going to deploy him the best that they uh, can. What do you think of Matt Joyce as a uh, as a platoon bat in Oakland?
1: I think he's going to be very useful for uh, score sheet teams. Um, that's about it, I think. Score sheet has a whole setup where you can platoon guys. So, um, you know, you buy him AL only score sheet uh for you know late late rounds and you and you put him in against uh against righties and he'll be useful to you. I think he'll probably uh I think the projections are kind of even out that that uh, platoon split thing and 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 I think probably assume that he faces the same amount of lefties as righties or whatever or, or the same amount as the league average percentage of lefties and righties. Whereas mm-hmm. I think the A's will keep him from ever facing a lefty, basically as much as they can. So I, I agree. I think he'll. Be I, I think they'll be smart about it. Ten percent better than league average uh, against
0: against uh, righties. John J. John J. To the Cubs. Um, that's not so important, except for what it means is, and that likely means that Dexter Fowler is gone.
1: Yeah, and I think a side effect of that is that Alvaro is going to get a, a a real shot. Um, mm-hmm. Jay can. Jay's a righty, and um, no, Jay's a lefty, and Almora's a righty. Um, uh, So that 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 would be the natural platoon, but it gives Almora a chance to stick around, and you know it's happened before that a guy can push his way out of the small side of a platoon.
0: I was going to say Almora will get a chance to ease in; the pressure will be lighter, and I think his defense
1: his defense is better.
0: I was going to say, as a defensive replacement, he's going to sneak some at-bats against righties. And if he can show himself improving there, that could be huge. I just uh, I don't have too much hope for Elmore. I, I've been fading
1: him for a while, I just just bat-wise, fantasy-wise. Uh, but player-wise, I think they're probably are going to get a little bit more than the depth charts suggest they will out of that. Out he's a of good Elmore. real player,
0: uh, not a great fantasy asset. Yeah. What about Jay? You, you doing anything with, with that for, for a buck or two in NL or He's a little whatever. better
1: than you expect. I mean, last year he hit uh, two ninety one, man, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, but then did nothing else. Two homers, two stolen bases. For his career, uh, you know, his high in homers was 10, but that was a 2011. So since then, his high is 7. Uh, a couple
0: double-digit stolen base seasons, but never really that efficient yeah, and the Last where four, they want to run him.
1: In, the last three seasons, 6-0-2, so... Um, it's an empty batting average.
0: Yeah, I, I would. You can find better gambles for your, even for your dollar. It's just not really that worth it. Uh, Sean Rodriguez to Atlanta again. Kind of harping on this point that uh, Pittsburgh actually scored some runs and that was not their issue. Sean Rodriguez was part of that as a nice utility infielder, uh, utility fielder I should say because he plays some outfield. Three hundred forty-two plate appearances, eighteen homers. He was a big part of the homer surge there. Two seventy-three, forty-nine, five ten. Nice line there from the thirty-one-year-old. Uh, didn't beat the hell out of any coolers this year though, so I, I think that was a big deficiency to his. Because that's the only reason I drafted him. Uh, we play a-, a coolers beat up league. And I saw him in the playoffs beat the hell out of that one cooler. And I'm like, well, this guy's a first rounder. So I paid big for him <laughs> and he didn't Funny. fight any coolers. So that was, that was a little bit disheartening, but I did like the 18 homers anyway. Uh, is this spike real or uh, was it just,
1: Well, I, I wrote, I wrote him up for the front of the site and, you know, was actually, uh, I applauded the the, the uh, signing for the Braves because uh, I feel that um, he made some real changes last year to his batting stance and uh, his exit velocity went up and his launch angle was better. And, uh, you know, across the board looked a lot better and basically capitalized on some of the promise that uh, we thought he'd had for a long time. Now, I know he's 31, but if any of that is retained, uh, and he'd done something like this before, um, you know, in a season with the Rays, it was just clouded by the fact that he had a real bad Babbitt. But he had a 232 ISO in 2014 with the Rays. And if you give him a normal Babbitt that year, he probably has a 260 average that year, too. So, um, you know, we're talking about a guy who next year, if given the full playing time, I think could hit, you know, 260 with 25 homers or something. Um, That wouldn't be out of the, you know, he he really improved against righties last year, too. Um, So if if he does that, he's a league average player. and, uh, And if he's a league average player two years in a row, he's either good trade bait, uh, for the Braves, because he can play all over the infield, um, or uh, he's a useful piece of a of a team that's improving. People mm-hmm. people wanted to point out that you know there are all these other people that they should be giving shots to, and they should let Jace Peterson you know try to develop and all this. But I don't know, man. I, I think that um, they want to be better next year. They want to see if that second half thing was was a mirage or not. Uh, and if it wasn't a mirage, then they want to go into their new stadium with a full lineup, you know, and it looks a lot better with Sean Rodriguez in there than it did before. So I don't
0: like I get in theory and I've I've beat the drum on certain times of saying you've got to play this young guy over some crusty veteran, but you can't just play a full team of 22 year olds. It's not, not in their position,
1: work. probably not in like a new stadium. So. Exactly, so I think that want, he could and, beat out Jace Peterson. I've been really unimpressed with I, I, I Jace Peterson is a Fringe Five guy. Um, he's an up he's an up the middle guy with good patience and good contact ability, but the the power that he showed that one year in AAA has just never really come to fruition. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, to have a guy who can take a walk and make contact, uh, have some base running ability, have some defensive ability. But just no power, just it siphons it, it, it off from the rest of it, you know. Um, yeah. If you can't hit the ball hard, you're not even going to have a really good batting average. So his his projections are so lackluster that uh, he's basically replacement level in every aspect, according to Steamer. You know, defense. This is
0: Peterson pe- that you're talking uh, about, yeah, James James Peterson. Peterson,
1: Minus .9 on defense, minus four point seven on offense, zero base running value by base running runs. 83 wrc plus i mean where's the value there it's like a scratch guy on defense scratch guy on offense it sounds like a scratch guy so if rodriguez comes in and is playing well he could be their starter at second base and be i think an nl only value there's like probably a five percent chance that he's a mixed league second baseman next
0: year okay that's interesting um one last move here for the braves they traded for Alex Jackson. By the way, Jerry Depoto man loves trading. <laughs> he has been swapping and dealing left and right here. Trades Alex Jackson, former number six overall pick uh, back in I think twenty fourteen, maybe thirteen. I can't remember exactly which uh, for Rob Whalen and Mark. Uh, excuse me, Max Poves, P-O-V-S-E, Poves, Poves. Uh, interesting last name there. Um, Jackson's the Jackson's the piece here, but you can talk about the arms in a minute. What do you think of Alex? What do, you, what do you think of Atlanta gambling on Alex Jackson, hoping to kind of rebuild his stock? Because he was supposed to be kind of an advanced bat, who you know, even coming out of high school, could move through the minors quickly. He's stalled out. The only thing we've really seen consistently is power, but it's come with a lot of swing and miss. He's now three years. It was the 2014 draft. He's now three years into his pro career and uh, just got out of Low A uh, and and spent spent this year at A ball. So we're not even in the high minors with Jackson, but he's only going to be twenty-one. So it's not not all hope is lost here. I don't think we have to get too crazy and and bury him. Good gamble for Atlanta.
1: It's it's very interesting. Uh, there's been very different attitudes about this deal, um, it's like from outlet to outlet.
0: There really has, like, completely. Uh, divisive sort of move here
1: yeah and I, I think the thing that everyone agrees on is the fact that um, the uh, pitchers that they traded away from Atlanta are not high um, are not high ceiling and and they are high floor and mm-hmm. that Alex Jackson is very low floor like not working out floor uh, but a higher ceiling in, in a power corner outfielder um, agreed. So I think for the Braves, considering their quantity of pitching and their need for an impact young bat um, on top of their quantity of pitching, you know, um, you know, they're going to keep, I think they're going to keep Newcomb because if Newcomb works out, then he's a star for them. He's their ace. And then they wanted yeah. to have basically an outfielder or another a position player that was kind of like Newcomb, which is. You know, half the half the league thinks Newcomb's not going to work out. Like we literally heard scouts in the Arizona say one was like, "Nope," and the other one was like, "Yep." yep. It, like, yeah, <laughs> it was it was
0: interesting because um, there was the it was the three guy panel and they were talking prospect to prospect and there wasn't a ton of divergence from guy to guy. There might be alterations here. Newcomb was the one guy that you really had where someone flat out crushed him, and then the very next guy said. Ugh. I couldn't disagree with you more. I really like him.
1: And I think Jackson is probably very similar in that, you know, some people think he will figure it out and some people don't. Um, And for the Braves, I just think that uh, a guy who can come up, I think Waylon and and Pavsi are both guys who could come up and be okay.
0: Well, Waylon made his debut this year. He's, um, you know, a control guy, a command and control guy he only throws eighty nine, ninety, but does have kind of a kitchen sink. I think he has three secondaries that he can throw. We didn't see that command and control in his 24 and two thirds innings this year, but that's 24 and two thirds It's all very year.
1: close together though. I mean, he basically averages 82 yeah. to 89. You could, yeah. you could get that bat ready for 84 and probably adjust everything he throws. So, um, you know, that's, that's one thing And the, in the command doesn't seem so precise. It's not, um. It's not. It doesn't show up in any of the results. Like you, you look at things that you look at for command, are, like home run rate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yes, you can look at walk. Like we've talked about this a lot. You don't want to look exclusively at walk rate, but you can look at walk rate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. First strike rate, I think, is interesting. I, I look at, yeah, because that's just your ability. Right. Can you hit the zone on the first pitch? You know, fifty six percent versus sixty percent league average. So, I don't think that. Um, yeah, I think that uh, Whalen is. Not that exciting, and I think uh, Pubsey is like uh, got a little bit more ceiling because he's 23 and in Double A. Uh,
0: but so, on PubSy, I, I, I noted that he was a, a lanky son of a gun like uh, yours truly here. But then someone in the comments mentioned yeah six eight one eighty five is what he listed at. Someone in the comments mentioned they actually packed on some pounds and he's no longer lanky. So he's actually, uh, they said upwards of like 30, 40 pounds packed onto that six-eight frame. So a bit bigger guy, I don't know if, it, if it's changed him at all with his mechanics or adding velocity, but worth noting if you go look at his profile and you see that he looks like a, a, a string bean, he's actually uh, supposed to have bulked up a little
1: well, bit. Well, and then <laughs> listen, listen to Langenhagen. He has back end stuff and an inning eating body. Um, there you and go. And it's interesting to me to hear that he has a very overhand delivery. That's, uh, Josh Colemanter, who did Ooh. pitch pitch for a while swing I mean, man of know, the boy, world. Yeah. But now he's the swingiest he's a swing man. So, I mean, I guess if you, if, if Jackson doesn't run to anything, if you, all you got was Josh Cole mentor, uh, Seattle says, yeah, we'll take that. We don't think Alex Jackson is anything and we want, we'll, we, we could use a, an eighth pitcher, you know, an eighth well, starter. and
0: and, and Poto wasn't there. Um, when, when they were drafted so that that's worth noting too he doesn't have the ties to him yeah
1: but uh but then and, and atlanta's like we have no use for an, an eighth starter right now um especially at this point in our development cycle what we need is is some upside so we're gonna buy and you're right 2014 draft six overall pick we're gonna we're gonna buy that and uh and give it another chance
0: so not not a bad deal here. Then I I can see win win on both sides in terms of or or maybe not win win but just uh, I can see the reasoning on both sides. Yeah. All right, you know that's going to wrap it up. Uh, hopefully we get a bunch more uh, transactions here and maybe we can do something late in the week. Uh, otherwise, when are you leaving for the winter meetings again? I'm sorry, it's been an hour and a half since we started.
1: Yeah, talking. <laughs> Sunday. Well Sunday, we're, Okay, we're, we'll give you long ones when we when we only give you a few. So
0: yeah. So if at least you're getting a long one today. Uh, we'll see about getting together on Friday and, and talking a little bit. Otherwise, I will have a mailbag episode. So either way, there will be one this week. It just might not be me and Eno. Uh, again, sleeperpot at gmail.com if you want to get your emails in. I'm going to start doing emails on both the show, a separate show, and perhaps some written mailbag as well. So if you have your questions and you think one would be good for an article, go ahead and put, put that, that in there. Like mail mail? Yeah. yeah. Uh, please, no, not Stanley. yes please please hand write to me and i will write you back i will sit i will get my quill pen uh, i will turn on my my little uh lantern and i will dearest email i do not think that you should trade for dexter fowler for we do not know doth he will play at the anyway you know great talking to you uh perhaps we'll talk again later this week otherwise i'll talk to you early next week
1: yeah thanks for listening